So February is usually Black History Month and one thing that we learn about our Islamic history is that first of all Islamic history is very rich uh, so much we can learn from and when you study Black History Month you truly have to go back to the life of, of Rasulullah and the very first woman perhaps in the life of the Prophet a woman who gave her life for Rasulullah a woman who witnessed the birth of Rasulullah and the death of Rasulullah a woman who witnessed the entire life of Rasulullah from beginning to end and always was there with Rasulullah and she was from Africa she was in the life of the Prophet this is Baraka, or as we know her, Umm Ayman radiallahu ta'ala anha. Umm Ayman radiallahu ta'ala anha, she was um, initially, she was given to, or she was sold, and she came into the house of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even before the birth of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And as we all know, that the father of the Prophet sallallahu he went to Syria, as this is something that they would often do, they would travel in summer to Syria, in winter they would travel to Yemen. So her, uh, her husband, this is Amina, her husband Abdullah, the father of the Prophet ﷺ, he's not even aware of the fact that his wife is expecting a child. He goes to Syria and usually what would happen is that when they would come back into the city, um, what Amina would do is that she would send her slave uh, Umm Ayman, or at that time Baraka, to go and find out did Abdullah come back or not. When the caravan came back and Abdullah, there was no sign of Abdullah, the father of the Prophet ﷺ, that is when she brought the sad news that she was told that Abdullah has passed away. And that is when she, she realized she was also expecting a child. And then she even saw a dream, the mother of the Prophet, she saw a dream that there is a light emanating from herself. And when she shared that news in this dream with uh, Baraka or Umm Ayman, she said that perhaps this child that you are expecting is going to bring great barakah and it will be a light, a source of light for many people to come insha'Allah. And then later on, when the Prophet ﷺ was born, the very first woman to carry the Prophet ﷺ was this same woman from Africa, Umm Ayman. And then later on at that same point and at another point, at this point and when the mother of the Prophet ﷺ passed away, at both times we find in the books of history that Amina told Baraka that please take care of her, take care of him, the Prophet ﷺ, like a mother. And subhanAllah, we find throughout the entire life of Baraka or Umm Ayman, the Prophet ﷺ would always refer to her as Ya Ummi, O oh my mother. The Prophet ﷺ is mentioned in the books of history that when the Prophet ﷺ, he got married, this is now much later in his life. And by the way, Baraka was approximately 13 years. She, had, she was 13 years older than Rasulullah ﷺ. So we all know that the Prophet ﷺ, he got married at what age? What age? 40? 25. He got married at the age of 25. How old was Khadija? 40. So she was approximately that time, you do the math, she was around 
38 years old, okay? So at 38 years old, she's not married at all. She's never got married. Why? Because of her dedication to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And even at that time, Khadija, she told uh, Baraka that why don't you get married now? I am now in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And she said, no, I am supposed to take care of him like he's my son. And I will therefore take care of him like my son. But after a lot of insisting, then she gave in and she says, okay, perhaps I will get married. And Khadija, you all know that she was a businesswoman. She was very resourceful. So she found a person by the name of Ubaid ibn Zayd from Khazraj. Khazraj was in Medina at that time, which was known as Yathrib. So this is, there were two main tribes there, Aus and Khazraj. And this is why we find from the seed of the Prophet, the majority of the Ansar, they came from Aus and Khazraj. So she got married to this man, Ubaid bin Zayd. And she had a child by the name of Ayman. That's why she was called Umm Ayman. And then later on, then because of that, she had to move to Medina because her husband was there. So she moved to Medina. But soon after the birth of, of this child, Ayman, then her husband obeyed, he passed away. And then she realized that what business do I have in Medina? Let me go back and let me be with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so she came back and she lived with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now, one thing we know also about the early days of Makkah was that the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, he would gather his sahaba for halaqas and khatiras and lectures and, you know, uh, about iman and so forth at a place called Darul, uh, Darul Arqam. And there, the Prophet ﷺ, he would meet with others. By the way, if you don't know why, there's you know something very strategic about why Rasulullah ﷺ would meet at Darul Arqam. The person who was in charge of Darul Arqam, or whose house it was, his tribe and the Quraysh were at odds. No one would have ever thought that the Prophet ﷺ would have lectures at his house because the tribes were at each other's necks. But it was a strategy of Rasulullah ﷺ that no one would think that I would be here conducting my lectures. Hence, this is the best place to conduct the lectures. And so one day it is mentioned that the Quraysh, they were monitoring the streets. Who is going here? Who is going there? So she one time... Um, she could have, you know, she, things could have gotten much worse for her, but she put her life on the line and she got to the house of Dalu Arqam. She attended the gathering of Rasulullah wasallam, and that is when, that is when after she left, look at her dedication. Because of her dedication, the Prophet said that the woman who just left, Umm Ayman, she is a woman of Jannah. She is a woman of Jannah, and who would want to marry her? And that is when Zayd ibn Haritha, the adopted son of Rasulullah he raised his hand and he says, Ya Rasulullah, I will marry her. By the way, short note here, how many years was she older than Zayd? Anyone? She was approximately 20 years older than Zayd. Now, let's pause here for a moment and think about this. Today in society, if we heard that the, the wife was even few years older than the husband, it is frowned upon. Brothers and sisters, this is a, a general advice I always give. If you find a good woman for your son, if you find a good son for your daughter, it does not matter, age does not matter. I'm not saying, of course, a huge um, a difference, but even a difference like this, the Prophet ﷺ, he accepted it. And from that marriage, who came from that marriage? 
Usama ibn Zayd, this man, this young boy who was so beloved to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So she is now married to Zayd ibn Haritha. And now she has another child. And by the way, she was at an age where she should not, she could not have children or generally women at that age would not have children. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had destined, Allah had willed it. So she had a child by the name of Usama ibn Zayd. Now, fast forward. To the time of the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ. It is mentioned that on her journey to hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ is mentioned that she was at one time so thirsty that she prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and she made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and she mentions after she came to Medina, she narrated the story to the Prophet ﷺ that as I got up, I went to sleep and I got up, I saw that there was a bucket of water. And this rope, she says, I tried to see the rope and I could not see the end of the rope. And she says, I drank that water. And after that, there were many difficult days of fasting. But on those days, I never felt thirsty after drinking that water. After that, there were times when I went for Umrah. I never felt thirsty during Umrah. So this bucket of water was so quenching that it quenched her thirst for the rest of her life. After that, she never felt thirsty. Even if she drank water, she drank water just for the sake of staying healthy and the need of having water, but not out of thirst, subhanAllah. Now, she comes all the way to Medina and there's blisters on her foot. Because the city, you know, if you study, if many of us who go for Hajj, who go for Umrah, we get on a bus, we get on a train, a fast bullet train, we get there to Mecca and Medina in one and a half hour. People long time ago, they had to walk through those deserts. They had to those, walk through those deserts. And by the way, there is this thick book. I have in, in my office right now, someone gave me, that this is an author who documented every single place in the desert where Rasulullah he stopped for it during his migration. This entire book was written only on the hijrah of Rasulullah where this researcher went and subhanAllah when you open that book you have this sort of appreciation for how much did Rasulullah and his sahaba they went through when they made this hijrah. This was not an ordinary hijrah. This was not just a small travel. This was a very difficult travel. Nonetheless Umm Ayman she comes all the way to Medina and the Prophet sees that her foot, her foot is full of blisters and her feet have become swollen and she's tired. And again, Rasulullah because of her dedication, Rasulullah said that this is a woman of Jannah. This is a woman who will enter into Jannah. And then later on, we find that she would always participate in all the battles. She would help the wounded. She would provide water to all those who were wounded, those who were in need of help. And she was there right by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now, fast forward many years when she, now later on, she went through her own difficulties. Her son, Ayman, passed away in the battle of Hunayn. And he was a Muslim. Her son, uh, her husband, Zayd, he died in the battle of Mu'ta. And this happened during the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And then she she would not show that much distress when they passed away. But subhanallah, when the day came that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, she he passed away. She could not control herself. Even after the burial of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it is mentioned that um, Umar ibn Khattab radiyallahu an and Abu Bakr radiyallahu an they both sent a request that we want to come and visit you because it was a normal habit of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that he would often 
go and visit Umm Ayman. So they went to her and they asked her, Oh Umm Ayman, how are you doing? What can we do for you? And that is when she broke down into tears. And they asked her, Are you crying because of the death of Rasulullah? She said, No. Well, the reason why I'm crying is because now the doors of Wahi have been shut for forever. Now no more are we going to receive a Wahi. Before we would have a difficult situation, a Wahi would come. We would find ourselves in a challenging situation, a Wahi would come. A difficult circumstance, a Wahi would come. We will be in a battle. What to do? A Wahi would come. Now the doors of Wahi are shut and they are shut for eternity. And that is what I'm crying for. And that is what, and then later on she passed away, as some of the ulama they say, she passed away in the, the time of Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu ta'ala an. So now we see that this is a woman who dedicated her entire life from beginning to end with Rasulullah And as a result of her dedication, not only did Allah give her a bucket of water that her, her, thwet, her thirst is quenched forever, but she got the, she got the glad tidings of Jannah not once but twice in this dunya from the beloved mouth of Rasulullah so we learn that when we dedicate our life the best way we can dedicate our life so she took care of the Prophet how can we be close to the Prophet by implementing his sunnah his akhlaq his character in our life and finally the most powerful lesson that we can take from all this is that perhaps see when we talk about yatim. What did the Prophet say about the yatim? He says, Ana wa kafir yatim That I and the person who looks after the yatim will be like this in Jannah, insha'Allah. But at the same time, how was Rasulullah or how did the Prophet become so inclusive? Okay, when it came to people of other races, when it came, you have an, the gathering of Rasulullah but you have Bilal al-Habshi radiallahu an, you have people who have disabilities like Abdullah ibn Umi Maktoum radiallahu an, you have people like um, Suhaib al-Rumi radiallahu an, you had all these different Sahaba and even the Sahaba who were there, they were not all from the Quraysh, some from the Quraysh, some from other tribes, some from Aus, some from Khazraj, but the Prophet was able to gather everyone, and this is our beautiful Deen, our deen is about inclusivity and what's beautiful if you think about all this is that perhaps Rasulullah perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Rasulullah a yatim before he was born and that is what led him to have a sympathetic heart towards the yatim and it was the yatim who were abused in, in Mecca how could Rasulullah how could the Prophet have sympathy if he has no idea what it means to be a yatim. He was a yatim, therefore he had an idea that how to treat the yatim. He was a person who grew up in a family where you have a woman from Africa. So therefore he was racially inclusive. If, the if these kind of people did not exist in the life of the Prophet there's no guarantee that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make his heart racially inclusive towards everyone else. Perhaps Allah put these people in his life to prepare him to become a prophet. And this is why we find this about our deen. So this is the month of February. I thought I just wanted to share this beautiful story about Umm Ayman radiallahu ta'ala anha. And there are many other people, inshallah, on Thursday we have a program, on Friday we have a program, inshallah. And we're going to see this. But study the lives of these kind of people. These are people who had an impact. When you study about United States, the earlier people who had an impact and who were able to spread Islam were the African Americans. The African Americans who came here through the transatlantic slave trade from Africa. So many were brought here to America. There were so many Muslims on there. 
And they were the ones who established the foundation of Islam in America. So we need to study about their lives also. How are we here today? It is because of their sacrifices. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq, to appreciate these small things. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless all these people. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the ability to learn a lesson and many lessons from the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ameen rabbil alameen. Jazakumullah khayr. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم